This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. What I want to uh, preach tonight is actually uh, a little bit of a Bible study. Uh, this morning, Pastor uh, Dave briefly alluded to the fact that one of the methods of studying the Bible is making sure that you take things in context. And so what I want to do tonight is just uh, we're going to read the entire fourth chapter of Philippians and cover those verses so we can see what the entire context of that chapter is talking about. Uh, it's something that we don't do very often. Uh, a lot of sermons are what they call topical sermons where you pick a topic uh, and just and find a bunch of scriptures around that topic. What I want to do is more of a, an expository sermon, which is where we're just going to take this whole chapter and dissect it. And hopefully, uh, hopefully I will do it justice. But let me go ahead and pray and then we'll, we'll get started. Father God, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful uh, time we had in worship tonight, Lord, and then uh, the wonderful uh, word that we received from Pastor Dave this morning. Uh, tonight, as I get ready to, to bring forth your word, Lord God, I ask that you'd help me to be uh, directed by your Holy Spirit. Uh, if I speak anything that's of my own, I ask that, uh, that, that it would just be ignored, Lord God, so that only your word remains, because your scripture tells us that your word uh, never returns void, Lord. It always accomplishes everything that you want it to accomplish. So I ask that it just accomplish that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, uh, if you want, you can flip over to a Philippians chapter 4. I think they're going to put it on the screen, and we're just going to dig right into this. Um, and uh, <laughs> as, as you're flipping there, just uh, keep in mind... Um, when the Bible was written, I'm sure a lot of you know, but maybe not all of you know, uh, when Paul sat down and wrote the Bible, he didn't sit down and write, you know. Like that. Um, this uh, book of Philippians was literally Paul writing. Uh, keep that in mind as we read this. This is not like a. Uh, Paul, well, let's, what, should, what would make, what would sound good for verse one? This is Paul writing a letter to his friends. And so, uh, in, in what we would call a verse one, uh, Paul says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Uh, and so we'll just take this one verse at a time. Here, Paul is encouraging his friends to stay faithful to the Lord. Um, the Bible tells us in, in, in other places that God is a jealous God. Uh, he really cannot stand it and tolerate it uh, when we're constantly unfaithful to him, when we're seeking other gods. And uh, if you read through the Bible in the Old Testament, a lot of times this was uh, people, instead of worshiping God, they would like uh, build a cow out of gold and, and sit down in, in the wilderness and worship a, a cow made out of gold or something like that or, or worship these false idols and statues. And uh, as I got to thinking about this, I think for most modern-day Christians, it's probably not that big of a temptation for us to uh, melt down our wives' jewelry and form a little cow in the living room and, <laughs> and start worshiping it. I mean, and if you do, if you have that struggle, come up after church and I'll, I'll pray for you. But I don't think that most people struggle uh, with that, which is, I mean, read through the Old Testament. They really did it. They would take their wives' jewelry melt it in a big pot, and then form a cow and say that that was their new God. But uh, that's not something that we do. But <laughs> something that I think is more realistic idols for us modern-day Christians would be um, things such as maybe 
sleeping in instead of getting up to read your Bible, in which case you're making an idol out of sleep instead of sacrificing to get up and read uh, read your Bible, or maybe staying home to clean your house instead of coming to Sunday night service. Or he, uh, here's one uh, being a little... Uh, yeah, I tell you what. Last week, uh, my uh, my middle son uh, was really was a really bad cold. Like he couldn't talk, so he couldn't. Uh, we, we couldn't put him in the nursery. He couldn't come to church because we didn't want to infect the other kids. And I was my voice was pretty hoarse too. Um, and so Julie was feeling great. My other two sons were feeling great. So uh, I don't normally do this since I'm usually leading the worship. But I'm like I can't sing anyways. You feel great. There's no no. There's no point. Uh, and me staying going and uh, not being able to, to sing or do anything when you're feeling good and you'd be stuck at home. So I stayed at home and I, I did read my Bible um, and I did. Uh, I, I streamed an online church service on the East Coast, which starts at like seven in the morning or whatever, so that I could watch football all day. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be home, I'm going to watch football. <laughs> I, I did go to church on. You know, I like watching football, but I literally watched football from the uh, East Coast games at 9 in the morning till the Sunday night football game was over, like, 9 o'clock at night or whatever. I'm like, watching 12 hours of football, in theory, to some people, sounds great. But after having done it, I would much rather be in church than sitting uh, in my chair with a sick two-year-old watching football for 12 solid hours. So now I can say that I've done that. Not recommended. Um, but, but I'm sure, uh, like Paul was saying, we have to stay true to the Lord. I'm sure that we've been guilty of some of these things at some point. But uh, like maybe falling into a sin once or twice and making it your lifestyle. It's something that you do constantly. And uh, if you make it a habit, then then that's not right. And the Lord is... A jealous God, and he doesn't tolerate that. Uh, but let's keep going in this verse. Um, uh, verse 2, it says, Now I appeal to Eodia and Sintish. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. But none of you would know if I didn't. Sintica? Well, I guess Pastor Dave would know if I mispronounced it. Did anybody else know that I mispronounced that? Okay, thank, thank you. Sintica. <laughs> Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And verse 3, And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. So that seems like a kind of an odd scripture. But I think a lot of times we think that uh, everybody in the Bible was just perfect and that everything went perfect for them all the time. Everything was just rainbows, lollipops, and everything that's wonderful. Uh, but a lot of times these people had the exact same struggles that we have. Um, they helped him in his ministry, but they had such a strong disagreement and fight amongst these uh, two women that Paul is in the middle of writing this encouraging letter to his friends, and he has to stop for a minute and call these two women out and say, hey, knock it out, get along. How crazy would that be, though? Like, 
if you're called out by name in the Bible because you don't play well with others. These women, uh, I'm sure they did lots of good good work with because it talks about all the good work they did for the gospel. But they're forever uh, known as the two women who couldn't get along in the church of Philippi. And we never hear if they ever settled their disagreement or not, but hopefully they did. Um, it doesn't how matter uh, how spiritual we think we are or how much we work for God in the church or whatever. If we truly belong to God, we can't be fighting and bickering with our neighbor all the time. Uh, that's just not good. Um, let's read verse 4 here, and then I'll show you something kind of neat. Uh, verse 4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And it's kind of interesting that Paul goes from uh, admonishing these women for fighting and not getting along into uh, talking about being full and full of joy in the Lord. And I think that part of the reason for that is because if you read the entire book of Philippians, uh, in chapter 2, uh, Paul tells us that one of the ways that his joy was fulfilled uh, was when people were getting along in the church and not being mean and selfish. It says, uh, you don't have to turn there, but in Philippians, Having the same love, being one in spirit and one one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. So I think that that's kind of why Paul went straight from uh, admonishing these ladies for not uh, getting along to talking about joy, because he said one of the ways that your joy is complete is by Getting along with your fellow believers. Uh, I remember I, uh, in Sunday school when I was a little kid, they would always have us do these little uh, drawings. And uh, they would have you write, write like a picture of Jesus or whatever. And they'd have you write J-O-Y on the paper. And then um, they would have you next to the J, they would put Jesus. And then to the O, uh, you would put others. And then next to the Y, you would put you. And they were trying to teach us as, as young kids uh, that to have true joy, you need to put Jesus first and then others second, and then put yourself last. Um, and so that's an important lesson that even uh, evidently two grown women in the Church of Philippi needed to learn. Uh, but selfish people can never have true joy, so let's all work on, if we're going to rejoice in the Lord always, we need to get along with others. Uh, let's keep going, though. Uh, verse 5. It says, Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember... The Lord is coming soon. And so Jesus is coming soon, and we all need to make sure that we're examples everywhere, everywhere we go of Jesus because he's coming soon. Um, this, this verse also tells us that we need to be so kind and courteous and considerate that everybody around us takes notice at how kind and considerate we are. Uh, it says, let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. Uh, I've talked about this before, but in John 13:35, Jesus said that uh, the one way that people will know that you're disciples of Jesus is that you love one another. It doesn't say, uh, I've taught whole messages on it before, but it doesn't say that people will know you're a disciple of Jesus because, you, you know, you bring your gigantic Bible to church every Brother Tim have been working on, although that's a good thing. 
it's a good thing to have a Jesus beard, and everybody should have one that can. Austin, Austin was telling me before service, it's almost time for his winter beard to come back. I'm seeing lots of good beards in the congregation, actually, so you're to all be commended. But ultimately, that does not prove that we're disciples of Jesus. The thing that proves that we're disciples of Jesus is of anything that Jesus could have spoken, he could have talked about, you know, you, that you tithe every Sunday, that you, that you pray every day, that you read your Bible. He said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. And that's what this verse is talking about. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do, because Jesus is coming soon. Um, let's skip down, uh, not skip down, but the next verse is going to be verse 6. And Paul kind of changes topics here a little bit. Uh, and this is a really good one. A lot of these verses in this chapter are real famous verses that you'll recognize. Uh, but thing. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Uh, Pastor Davis taught this one before. He calls this the peace equation. This is a it's like an A plus B equals C. So if you take A, which is don't worry, and add it with B, which is prayer, and add it with C, thanksgiving, or being thankful, it equals thing we can understand. And uh, I was trying to think of a good example for this, and the best example I thought of right off the top of my head uh, was when Jesus calmed the story, uh, the storm in the Gospels. Um, is everybody familiar with that story when the, the disciples uh, were out in a fishing boat? And I got to thinking about that. Uh, it must have been some vicious storm for these seasoned fishermen to be freaking out over this storm. Years ago, my family... Uh, decided they wanted to go on a uh, a whaling tour out in the Pacific. And uh, I wasn't there for this one, but if I understand, it was more or less a relatively calm day. Um, but in this crazy storm that's so bad it's freaking out uh, even seasoned fishermen, when they go to look for Jesus, uh, where's Jesus during this entire crazy storm? Jesus is below deck taking a nap. That is God's peace whenever there's such a crazy storm uh, that even seasoned fishermen are freaking out, but you can just take a nap through the whole thing. That doesn't even, it, it boggles the mind. But I think that's what this verse is talking about. God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can possibly understand. And of course, we know uh, Jesus rebuked the storm and it went away. Um, and so we, that's the end of that story. But, you know, this is the type of peace that, that Paul is talking about. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. We just pray about it, give it to God, and then go take a nap.
That's our example in Jesus. So, everybody enjoy a good nap. Uh, Verse 8. Keep going here. Uh, It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And uh, as I was thinking about this scripture, I think that for most people, uh, our natural tendency is to think pretty much the opposite of all of these things. Uh, if left to our own devices, instead of thinking about what's true, we think about what's false. Instead of thinking about uh, what's honorable or right or pure, we think about what's dishonorable, what's wrong, what's what's impure. Um, and that's why Paul has to take a minute to, to remind us that we need to, whatever your natural thought is, you have to think the opposite of that. Think about what's what's true and honorable, right and pure and lovely and admirable. Uh, and that's because thoughts can be a big struggle for a lot of people. Uh, James 1.14 tells us that, that sin uh, begins as a thought a lot of times. Um, it's a thought or desire that we have in ourselves, and then it turns into sin if we, if we keep dwelling on it. Um, if we dwell on it and then eventually act on it, then that thought can turn into sin. Second uh, Corinthians 10 verse 5 says that as Christians, it's our responsibility to take to take our thoughts in, under control and make them obedient to Christ. It's very important that we control our thoughts and that we choose, we make the choice to think about good things. Flip the page here. <laughs> you know, uh, we can't always control the, thrace, the stray thoughts that breeze through our mind. But what we can control is whether we dwell on those thoughts or not. It's true and right and honorable. I've been, I've been trying to, to uh, teach this to my, to my son, Hedemias, uh, just telling him, hey, instead of thinking about bad things, Think about good things. I'm trying to think about how to, to break this down for a four-year-old. Um, and with some time. About sharing a toy with him. <laughs> and half the time it works and half the time he chooses to smack his brother in the back of the head. But we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Uh, verse verse nine. Let's keep going here. Um, it says, "Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you." And I thought this was interesting that uh, that Paul was so confident in his walk with Jesus that he was perfectly comfortable saying, "Feel free to model your life after me, after what you've seen me do." And it's not that Paul was a perfect person, because we, we read all throughout out the scripture that how Paul started out as Saul and how, what an evil person he was. And, and, uh, and he didn't always necessarily make the right decisions uh, throughout the rest of the Bible, but he loved Jesus and he tried to follow him to the best of his ability. And this needs to be our goal. We need uh, to walk so closely with Jesus that we can confidently tell others that, hey, if you want to 
you can just look at me to see what a Christian looks like. Um, you know, if you want to see what a Christian looks like, look at, at Julie or Pastor Dave or Austin or Lawrence or anyone here. That's your goal is to let people look at you and see what a Christian should look like. Amen. He's changing topics a little bit, and these are some of the more famous scriptures in the Bible, but they're cool ones to read. It says, uh, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. And so uh, one of the reasons that Paul wrote, like I said earlier, this is a, a, a friendly letter to his friends. And one of the reasons that Paul wrote this letter is it was a thank you letter to his uh, friends at the church in Philippi because they were constantly giving offerings into his ministry. Um, so this is his thank you letter. Let's keep going. Verse 11, it says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. also knew the secret of living no matter what life threw at him. And verse 13 uh, is one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible. Probably most of you uh, already know this one, but it's important to read this one uh, in context of the verses in front of it. The reason that, that Paul was able to be content no matter what the situation is because of verse 13. He says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And so what he's saying here is that no matter what comes our way, we can do everything through Jesus because he's the true source of our strength. You guys got to know, uh, like we were reading about the peace of God earlier, you got to look at Jesus, you got to trust Jesus, and that's what gives us the contentment, whether we're full stomach or, or empty or with plenty or with little, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Um, verse 14 here, uh, it says, Even so... You have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. And now I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Uh, and we'll keep going here. It says, at the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gift you gave me from Ephroditus. Ephroditus? Epaphroditus. There you go. Even I can learn something in the middle of my lesson. <laughs> uh, Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And then we're, uh, before we get to verse 19, this is another famous one. Uh, and uh, I, Austin alluded to it as he was uh, preaching to us uh, over the offering. But once again, it's important that you take this scripture in context. Uh, let's go ahead and read it. It says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Or the King James says, my God will supply all your needs according to 
picking and choosing scriptures and you just picked and chose uh, Philippians 4.19, you might uh, be tempted to come away with the, the incorrect conclusion that God's just going to mysteriously and miraculously since we've taken this in context, we've read verses 15 through 18, we know that the reason that the church could stand on this promise uh, was because that they themselves were generous to Paul in his time of need. They were givers. Uh, it's like Austin said, he's been tithing and given his whole life. Now, we don't tithe and give um, because we want God to take care of us, but one of the side benefits of giving to God is it says that he provides all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Um, another verse, Matthew 6.33, says that if we seek the kingdom of God first and live righteous, enough food, they wouldn't have enough clothes. But if you're seeking God first, then he's going to take care of these things. That's found all throughout the Bible. But you just got to remember that it's we're tithers, we're givers, and we, and we uh, seek the kingdom of God first. Uh, verse 20 here, it says... Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. And that's where he's kind of concluding that part of the, of the, of the letter. But then he, he goes on to give some personal greetings, which are, are kind of cool. He says, um, give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send their greetings. All the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. So since this is a letter, he's just literally sending out some personal greetings to some of his friends who lived in the city of Philippi. And then uh, verse 23, this is the last verse in the chapter. It says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Um, and if you read throughout the New Testament, Paul wrote two thirds of the books of the Bible in the New Testament. And a good majority of them. Uh, he starts and ends with saying, may the grace of God be with you. And so grace was very important to Paul. So uh, just the last couple minutes here, I just want to take a minute to see what that grace is talking about. So the full definition of grace uh, is, number one, it's unmerited divine assistance given to humans. Uh, unmerited means unheard, unearned. So this is God helping us out even though we've done nothing to earn it. That's what Paul is, uh, may the grace of God be with you. May God's unearned divine assistance be with you. Uh, it's a virtue, uh, number two, coming from God. Uh, it's, number three, a state of, of sanctification and joy through divine grace. Number four, it's uh, approval, favor, such as staying in someone's good graces. Number five, it's a special, a special favor. So all these things are what Paul was wishing on his friends in Philippi, but he's also wishing on us, you know, that we would have this favor from God, this this uh, special favor, uh, his state of sanctification, his divine assistance. And that's uh, what I want us to kind of leave with tonight. Um, as we wrap up tonight, let's just take a, take a minute. The worship team, can, if they want, can make their way back up. But let's just thank God for his divine life for us, even though there's nothing we could do to earn it. God's grace meant that he sent his son to die for us anyways. The Bible tells us that Christ, that the Lord proved his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't say that Christ died for us while we were all 
perfect in here sitting at church and listen to, to, to Reverend Josh here mispronounce words from the Bible. God, uh, rather he died for us when, like Pastor Dave was preaching this morning when we were passed out drunk in the gutter. Uh, it says God died for us while we were still sinners. So he's given us that, that grace that we didn't deserve, his approval, his favor, his divine enablement, enablement to handle everything that comes our way. So uh, just let's stand, just stand, and, and uh, the, the worship team is going to sing a song for us. And uh, if you need prayer, uh, you can come up to any one of us up here, um, and we'll be glad to pray for you. Otherwise, I just encourage you to sing along with the, with the team and just be especially thankful for the grace of God. Just uh, thank Him and pray uh, and thank, be thankful for that grace He's given us. But let's go ahead and sing. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.